Well, good morning. It is so great to have you here. Thank you so much for showing up at Northridge this weekend. For those of you here in Plymouth and for those of you at our regional campuses, Northridge Grosseal, great to see you. Thank you so much for being here. Northridge Brighton, glad to have you worshiping with us. And Northridge Celine is also worshiping right now. One church, Northridge Church family in four locations. It's so exciting to be moving forward into 2016. And this is a unique series we're in right now. 2016 words. You see, we are, as a Northridge spiritual family, committed to following out Jesus' commands in our lives as defined by 16 words, and that's what we're looking at in this series. It's our mission and our strategy, and if you're a guest, I'm so excited that you get to look into what we're about and see everything we gather to accomplish, and so welcome. And I loved the video bumper that you just experienced with all the 16s, can you imagine how long the video team had to work finding all those 16s? I mean, it was forever. And I remember uh, my son, he's on the video team, and he said, Dad, we so desperately want a mile marker that says 16. And he says, I don't know how far I'm going to have to go on 94 or 96 or 23 or 75. I just don't know where it is. As it turns out, the 16-mile marker is right in front of our church here in Plymouth, which is awesome. I think that God all along wanted us to be about the 16s here, right? And uh, it's an exciting thing. Some of you just think that I got the government to change the mile marker, so be 16. I, I remember when we moved to this campus here in Plymouth before we had our other regional campuses, everybody's going, how did he get them to change the name of Powell Road already to be named after him? And that just happened. I, I'm, I'm just awesome. That's how. No, it's a, it was named long before we ever came here. It's a freak accident. But at, at any rate, uh, welcome to Northridge. So glad that you're here. And uh, last weekend, we looked at the number one priority word in all of our 16 words as a mission here, and that name is, that word is a name, Jesus. And I, I just really want to encourage you to know that everything we're about, every word that can define what we're about, every word that we can talk about that helps to understand what we're about has no meaning unless it attaches back to Jesus. And if you didn't experience the talk last weekend, we give our talks away online, northridgechurch.com for free. We just love for you to engage it. We want you to know Jesus and to know who he is and to follow him. This weekend, as we continue in the series, I, I want to look at the one word that was highlighted at the end of that video bumper, wake. Because the six words that define our mission, wake the world up to Jesus, and then followed by uh, ten other words, show them as love, tell them as truth, involve them. The word wake is so vital. You see, as I study the Bible and as I live, as I look at the lives of those who have genuinely, genuinely known Jesus, genuinely known him, I found two unmistakable characteristics in their lives. And I believe every single one of us is here in a sincere way, whether we believe in Jesus yet or not, whether we understand Jesus or not, but we're here in a sincere way to try and figure out the reality of, can God be real? Can I know Jesus? Can my life be more than what I can make of it on my own? And, and what you need to know is that, that many people who are sincere and look for the reality of Jesus in their lives never find them. And you can know this because they don't display the two unmistakable characteristics that always evidence themselves in the life of someone who genuinely knows Jesus. I mean, genuinely. I mean, throughout history, people who've genuinely known God have, first of all, lived very different lives from others. I mean, they've lived different lives from others. Their, their lives in coming to Jesus were so transformed that the difference in their life became unmistakable. You, you could just tell. There was a, a turning point in their life. Uh, there was a catalytic moment in their life when they went from being one way, one kind of person, to being very different kind of person. And that, that catalytic event was meeting Jesus Christ because when people have genuine, not when people talk about it and say it, not when people become religious in the name of Jesus, when people genuinely know him, they live very different lives than others. And it's obvious. But it doesn't stop there. When, when people, and this is throughout history, you can look at every Bible character in the, in the Bible who really knew God, 
not only do they live different lives than others, but they make a difference in the lives of others. I mean, they make a difference. They don't live for themselves, and they don't just consume for themselves. It's not just about them getting what they want, but it's about they have become so fulfilled because of what Jesus has done in them that they, they want desperately to help other people find that same kind of life and fulfillment, and so they make a difference in the lives of others. And, and just know this, when you, when you see people who genuinely know God in the Bible and out of the Bible, they, they can't help themselves. They, they want to help make life better for other people. They want to introduce Jesus to other people. That's just the way it is. But if that's the way it is, then we have to kind of overlay that over ourselves. Is this the way we are? Living different lives than others, not just ordinary, what you should expect from flawed human beings, and then making a difference in the lives of others. And that's really what waking up is all about. I, I see it, I I'll just give you two Bible characters. There's a guy named Isaiah in the Bible. Isaiah was a prophet, wrote a big book in the Old Testament, and, and he, he was religious. He was actually proclaiming God's truth at people. And then in Isaiah chapter 6, he ex actually experienced God. I mean, he saw God high and lifted up and saw him surrounded by his angels, you know, singing, holy, holy, holy. It was a transformative moment. And from that moment on, when he genuinely knew God, knew who he was and knew who God was, he lived different than other people, and, and he made a difference in other people's lives. He said, God, send me. I'll go tell the world. I mean, it changed everything about him. And then in the New Testament, there's a guy named Paul. We might know him as St. Paul, but he, he was a guy who was very religious, but he was an angry dude, man. He was trying to take people out who followed Jesus. He was so into his religion that he didn't really care about anything else, and, but one day he he discovered Jesus on the road to Damascus. You can read about it in the book of Acts, and it transformed his life when he genuinely knew God. Not, not when he was talking about God and being religious. When he genuinely knew Jesus, he lived a different life than other people, a different kind of love, a different kind of joy, a different kind of fullness, a different kind of purpose. He lived a different life than others. He was no longer ordinary, and, and he made a difference in the lives of others. He couldn't help himself. He even said, woe is me if I don't proclaim this truth to others that I don't share with others because I can't be selfish in the wake of Jesus' unselfishness. I, I can't be self-consumed in the wake of Jesus' generosity. And I say all that because if we're really going to be able to navigate the idea of do we know Jesus or not, are we experiencing the fullness of Jesus or not, then we need to make sure we see these two unmistakable characteristics in our life. In fact, here's the truth that I want to share with you this weekend, and I'm so thankful that you're here. It's awe-inspiring that you would do whatever it took to get here, and for those of you at our regional campuses, we don't take it lightly. But we don't want to waste this time. We, we want to use this time in a way that might help you move forward in your relationship with God. And this is the truth. The same that was true of those who knew God in the Old Testament, the same that was true of those who knew God in the New Testament, the same that has been true of all those who have ever genuinely known God should be true of those of us who genuinely know God today. I mean, it should be true of us. If we really know God, then we, like those in the past, should live different lives than others. Our lives shouldn't be ordinary. It shouldn't be like everyone else. We should... We should put on clear display in our lives the, the transformative power of Jesus in us. We shouldn't live in defined by sadness. We should live defined by joy. We shouldn't live defined by conflict. We should live defined by peace. We shouldn't live defined by insecurity and low self-esteem. We should understand the value with which God created us. We shouldn't live without purpose. We should clearly have purpose because when you really know Jesus, you live this different kind of a life. And we should be making a difference in the lives of others. I mean, everybody in the world is basically selfish, trying to fill themselves up and find what they're looking for in life at the expense of others, but when you already have the fullness that Jesus offers, you don't have to take from anyone anymore. You can generously and in grace give. It changes the whole focus of life if we really know him. And I know this should be true of us because God made it clear that what was true of them was given to us so that we could use them as an example for how we should live. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 6 and 11. 
It says, now, all of these things occurred that God has given us in the Bible characters in Old and New Testament. They occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did, from making the same mistakes they did. These things, verse 11 says, happened to them as examples for us and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. He's saying, you need to learn from those who came before and those who came before and truly knew God had these two characteristics. Now, the truth of our mission here at Northridge, which we believe helps put into picture what every single true follower of Christ should be about, is expressed in these words. Wake the world up to Jesus. Wake the world up to Jesus. And in those six words is the expectation of these two characteristics in our lives. And I want to show it to you with a little bit of the talk here. I, I, I want to give it in terms of an application so that you can kind of weave this into the fabric of your daily life. If we're going to wake the world up to Jesus, if we're really going to wake the world up to Jesus, make a difference in this world as Christ followers, then we must do two things. And here's the first. We must wake up ourselves. We have to wake up ourselves. I mean, we have to stop thinking about waking up all the other people in the world, and we have to make sure first that we wake up ourselves, that we are living different lives than others, that our lives are clear and unmistakable representations of the fact that Jesus is real, his promises are true, and they can be experienced in real life here in the 21st century. We need to wake up ourselves. The sad reality is that many today are asleep in the light. Yes, Jesus has come. Yes, he died so that sins could be forgiven and we don't have to live in the shame of our failures and bad choices. And yes, Jesus rose again. And yes, we can have new life. And yes, it's true. There's peace and purpose and contentment and happiness and joy that can be had in this world. But many aren't experiencing it because they're asleep in the light. And there are really kind of two groups. Very often in churches, um, people come and they sit in judgment of those people out there, you know? It's like, we're in here, we're awesome, and they're out there, they're not, you know? And, and we kind of think in terms of all the stuff that we talk about as, as applying to all those people out there. Yeah, if they'd just do this stuff, the world would be a better place. But the problem is that more often than not, we're not doing that stuff. And we're no different or no better living lives no differently than those on the outside. You can't see any difference. And, and so what we have to understand is that there are two groups of people, both of whom are asleep, not experiencing the fullness of Jesus in their life. And the first group, this is going to surprise you, it probably applies to many of us in this room right now. I know it applies to me more often than I would care to admit. And it's this simple fact that that there are those of us who have already believed in Jesus and we've experienced forgiveness and we've ex experienced his promise and we've experienced stepping into a relationship with God and we've experienced his touch in our lives, but, but over time we've gone asleep spiritually and we've stopped experiencing the power of his touch and we've stopped experiencing the power of his promises and we've stopped experiencing the fullness of life that he gives us and the joy he gives us and Life has started to beat us down and life has started to hurt us and all the betrayals and all the disappointments and all the failures has, have gotten us living in, in the same way people who don't know Jesus live. And, and we're asleep spiritually. And this isn't me making it up. I mean, the Bible talks a lot to people who believe already who need to wake up. In fact, let me read you one passage. Look at Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. The Bible says, the hour has come for you to, what's it say? Yeah, yeah, this is the later service on Sunday. For those of you watching on video sometime, this is the later service on Sunday. These people just vocalized that they woke up three minutes ago, it seemed like. I mean, and I know, we, Northridge Brighton, Northridge Grosseal, Northridge Saline, I'm sure that you blah, banged it, but not here. So we're going to give you another chance, all right? And wherever you are, I'm just really, I mean, we're saying the words wake up. Don't say it like you're asleep, all right? The hour has come for you to wake up. Thank you. My gosh. We serve coffee for a reason here, friends, all right? The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. And this is speaking to people who already believe, because look what it says, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The, the experience of 
The fullness of Jesus is closer now than when we first believed, not only because we've been in a relationship with him for a time, but there's coming a time when we die or he comes back when we're in his presence and we no longer have to battle with darkness, but we'll be in the fullness of his light. And he's saying, every day we're closer to experiencing the light of Jesus and his salvation to its fullness. Wake up. Wake up, it's saying. And then look, it goes on. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. I mean, we shouldn't live our lives as if we're hidden in darkness. We should live our lives as if we know we're always in the light and, and being watched. And in other words, we should not live in orgies and drunkenness and sexual immorality and debauchery. And I need to stop right there just for a second. I'll go on in a second, but... Those four words really throw me. Don't they throw you? Seriously, it's like talking to people like us, people who believe. And then it's saying, so we need to live as if we're in the daytime, not at night, in orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, and debauchery. I would imagine most of you, when I read those words, went, really? I must be awake because no one will even invite me to their orgy. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I must be awake. Some of you are sitting here and you're going, I can't remember the last orgy I went to. Can't, can't remember that. By the way, if you have to process when the last one was, you really need some Jesus. That's all I'm going to say. But, but I mean, the, you kind of disconnect from these words. It's going, this is, this is to really people who were out there, man. Not to me. And I get it. But you know, darkness is darkness. It doesn't matter how far it goes or how deep it goes because the, the next two characteristics really get to me, and I bet you they will to you too. It says, we should behave decently as in the daytime, not in dissension, not in jealousy. Wow, jealousy's a long way from an orgy, isn't it? Because not many of us have been to an orgy, but a every single one of us has lived in jealousy. In fact, do you realize every dissension we have, every conflict and every battle and every war and every broken relationship, do you, you do realize, right, it stems from jealousy. Because other people have what we think we need and we look at what other people have and we thought if we had that, then we too could have joy and we too could have peace and we too could have a great life. But because we don't have it, then... Our life is miserable, and so we fight, and we go into conflict, and we struggle to get it, and we sacrifice everything of value to do it, and then you know what happens if we do ever get those things? We realize that we're just as empty with those things as we were without those things, and, and, and here's the reality. When you know Jesus, you know why people who know Jesus live different lives than others? Because those who know Jesus, really, and I'm not talking they sing, they come to church, they, people who really know Jesus... Know the life and fullness that he puts in them. It's not based upon what they have and don't have. It's based upon who he is. And you can have nothing in this world and have everything in life if you've got Jesus. So you're not jealous and you're not in conflict with anyone. You're experiencing fullness and you want to reach out and help. We live different lives than others when we know Jesus. So he's saying, would you stop being jealous of others? You know, some of us are mad at God. Because he's given other people stuff he hasn't given us, and we think he's ripped us off? Which means we're asleep, because if we have Jesus, we know he's not ripped us off. He's filled us to the full, and we have everything we need for all that we're longing for. But many of us don't experience it, because we're asleep spiritually. We're not awake. We're, we're living ordinary lives. And then he continues, and he says, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Don't activate that because Jesus has changed you. A guy named Jim Elliott who made a huge impact in my life when I was a younger leader, he actually died for telling a primitive tribe about Jesus. He died. And in his journals, his unbelievably expanded life revealed itself. And it, really challenged me and one of the things he said was and he was speaking to God he was journaling and he said forgive me God for being so ordinary while claiming to know 
such an extraordinary God. And I'm telling you, that, that sentence challenges me. Do you know why everyone who's genuinely known God has lived a different life than others? Because you cannot know the extraordinary God and live an ordinary life. And yet, come on, look around. Okay, let's not look around. Look within. I, I look within and I go, I'm living such an ordinary life. How can I say that I'm awake to such an extraordinary God? I need to wake up to Jesus. Do you? And then there's this other group of people who are asleep. And I know they're too represented here at Northridge, maybe at one of our regional campuses, certainly here. I, I, and it's the group of people who's yet to believe in Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, one of the, I, I am so thankful that God has allowed Northridge to be a place where people who are yet to believe have come in and, and are willing to do their seeking here. And I'm so glad you're here. There's no judgment. I was, for a long period of time, on the journey of not believing. And I know how dark it can be and how disappointing and how frustrating, but I'm so glad you're here. But those who have yet to believe in Jesus, who have yet to experience his transforming touch, who have yet to experience forgiveness and so they still live in their shame and their guilt and their emptiness and they haven't yet experienced new life they try but they're not there they're asleep the Bible tells us I mean asleep they're not experiencing God they're unconscious of the reality of God but the good news is you too can wake up and when you do put your faith in Jesus and he transforms you 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 give your sin and your past to him and he puts it on the cross, and then you receive the new life of his resurrection. When that all happens, you become a different person. You know why people who really know God live different lives than others? It's because they are given a different nature. They no longer have the nature of, of Adam. They have the nature of Jesus in them. And Jesus actually says it in a weird metaphor in Matthew chapter 7. He, he kind of uses trees as an example of, of how we're supposed to be different when we wake up to him. He he says in Matthew 7, 17, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, hey, you might as well just cut it down. It's worthless. But then he says, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. You know what he's saying? He's saying, all you have to do is look at a person's life, and you can tell by their life if they're awake to Jesus or not, if they've been transformed by Jesus or not. And and I'll be honest with you, I think a lot of times when people look at my life, they don't see anything different from anyone else. And I bet that's true of you at times. As we struggle with our jealousies, as we struggle with our insecurities, as we struggle to get what we're trying to get out of life instead of finding in Jesus all that we're looking for. We need to wake up to Jesus. Some of you need to wake up to Jesus for the very first time. I did it years and years ago where I was so consumed with darkness. I knew nothing about life. I struggled. I tried. I pursued pleasure. But I'm going to tell you one day when I let Jesus in, he took all the junk away and filled me with all of his beauty. And it started changing me. I just invite you to wake up to Jesus. But... Some of you, like me, have experienced the transforming power of Jesus, but over time you've gone asleep. It's become a routine. It's become a formula. It's become a process. It, and you've started living ordinary lives. And the truth is, I believe every single one of us needs to wake up to Jesus in new ways this weekend so that we can experience his fullness. Do you know what I'm saying? You're experiencing the fullness of his promise. If not, you need to wake up yourself. It's very, very important. But it doesn't stop there, because when we wake up to Jesus, then, then we can't help ourselves. We have, to, we have to then wake up others. I mean, we have to wake up others. We have to make a difference in their lives, because we're no longer needing anything from them. We're no longer trying to take stuff from them. We're, we're, we're trying to add to them the beauty of what Jesus can do in them. So we try to wake up others. And we, we try to wake up others in lots of different ways the Bible tells us. We, we try and wake up others by the way we live. 
Because when we really are awake to Jesus, we live different lives than others. Look at 1 Peter 2.12. Live such good lives among the pagans, those who don't know God, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. He's saying we should be so transformed by Jesus that when we're living, even in a world where we're being attacked and ridiculed and diminished and betrayed for what we believe, we live such good and grace-filled and generous lives that ultimately they want what we have as they're attacking us. And by the way, we live in a world where people who truly follow Jesus are now seen as the enemy. And so we need to let Jesus live through us so they can see we're not the enemy. We're the friend. But it's by how we live. Bible says. And by the way, we wake others up. When we're really awake, we can't help but wake others up by our lives, but, but also by the answers we give. Because you see, when you, when you live a life that's different from others and they see it, it's like Jesus instead of like regular humanity, you know, they're going to ask you, what? What's different about you? What's different? And look at what 1 Peter 3 says. Verse 15, but in your hearts, when you set apart Christ as Lord, when you're really awake to him, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who's going to ask you for the reason you have such hope. And give answers with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that you can speak um, without maliciousness and that those who are speaking maliciously against you and your good behavior in Christ will be ashamed ultimately of how they speak but he's simply saying that we can wake others up by how we live and then by the answers we give to how we're living. And I believe we wake up others as well by the story we tell. The Bible tells us this, by the story we tell. And I, before I give you a verse, I, I just want you to realize that, that when you truly know Jesus, not when you sing about him, you, catechism, religion, and first communion, not, you know, not that, nothing wrong with it. But you cannot know Jesus having done all those things. But when you know Jesus, I mean really know him, he transforms you to such a degree that you have a different story. And I'm going to tell you, the story of Brad Powell before I met Christ was a very different story than Brad Powell after I met Christ. In fact, there is nothing about my story that doesn't stem from the moment Jesus changed me. Nothing. And so I can't tell the story of my life without telling the story of Jesus. It's impossible. How about you? See, a lot of people, Jesus is a character in their story, but he's not the story. It's time we wake up to Jesus because if he's not the story, then we're living the wrong story. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says that when we're filled with this Holy Spirit, when the Spirit comes in us, we become, we can't help ourselves, His witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Wherever we are, all we do is keep telling His story because our story is defined by His story. Yeah. Can, can you help yourself? I'm just wondering, is Jesus the headliner in the stories you tell, or is Jesus and every once in a while occurrence in the stories you tell. If he's not the headliner, you need to wake up to Jesus. And this isn't a judgment because there are seasons of my life where Jesus is hidden. And those are seasons when I've obviously gone to asleep and I'm just existing in the ordinary and need to wake up. And so we need to wake up ourselves and then we need to wake up others. Do you, do you see it? I mean. And that's when the world changes. That's when our lives change. Okay, so this is, this is a different kind of a, a weekend. You, you can't talk about waking up without giving an invitation to actually do it. You, you just can't do that. I, you know, to, to wake someone up is to invite them into the day. M my wife enjoys sleeping more than I, I do. She's a very, very hardworking woman the three, four hours she's awake. It's an amazing, and that's a joke. It's a, it's a joke, but she, she, she likes like nine hours, nine hours of sleep. And I'm more like, really? We're gonna be dead a long time. I mean, really, why don't we live while we have a chance to live instead of practicing so much? But anyway, that's a whole, 
just my view of the world. And so I get up a lot earlier than she does and sleep a lot less. And then every once in a while she'll say, I don't want to set an alarm clock. Will you wake me up? And so I have the privilege of waking her up. And, and when I... And by the way, she's not mean to wake up or anything like that. It's not, you know, so I just go and dump some coffee on her. She wakes up. And no, I don't do that. I, I, but when I'm waking her up, it's kind of fun because I'm inviting her into the day. I'm inviting her into the day. Well, this weekend, we're talking about waking up to Jesus and then waking the world up. And I, I want you to know what we're doing. We're inviting you into the day. Many of us are living in darkness. Many of us are living without hope. Many of us are living without the promises. Many of us are living without the impact of Jesus in our life, even if we believe in him. But, but this weekend, we're inviting you into the day where Jesus defines you. It's an awesome gig. And, and so as we bring it to a conclusion, and we're going to have some worship here that you're going to be able to respond with and interact with as as we move in there, I, I have a conclusion for you. This is the conclusion to the talk. I, I just want to include, as a conclusion, ask you to do something that maybe isn't normal for you. I'm going to ask you to examine yourself. We need to examine ourselves. We're going to wake up. We need to examine ourselves. And this is important because, you see, very often when we hear talks like this, we're thinking about others. You know, in fact, uh, it's been funny. I, I, my, my perspective, my view is different than yours, and I get to see you. You don't even know I can see you, but I, I can. Um, and I, when I'm giving a talk like this, it's so interesting to see people looking at the person next to them all. <laughs> and it's usually spouses, you know. I mean, this is for you, man. You got to wake up for you. Or in your head, you're thinking about people in your life. Oh, I wish they were here. Man, they need to wake up. I need... And I get that. And some of that's true. But here's the reality. You need to wake up. And you need to examine yourself. Because none of us are experiencing the fullness of Jesus in our lives. And so be examining yourself. Look at what the Bible says. Lamentations 340. Let us examine our ways and test them. Let us return to the Lord. Look at 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? And so, the two places I want you to examine yourself on are the two places that I focused on. The first one is this. I, I want you asking the question, do, do I need to wake up myself? The way I have it in the outline is, do you need to wake up yourself? I mean, I know there are other people in the world that need to wake up. I get that. But do you need to wake up? Are you experiencing the fullness of Jesus? Are you experiencing his power? Are you sleeping? Are you finding yourself a little mad at God because he's given other people things you haven't because their life seems to be in order and you'd be happy if you had what they have, which is all a lie. You find yourself kind of jealous of others and in conflict with others because, you know, they've taken from you or you don't have what they have and when the truth is, if you have the fullness of Jesus, fully awake to him, you, you won't need those things. If you are not living a life that is unmistakably different than others, then it's time to wake up. If you find that you never think about or spend time with or talk about Jesus as an everyday aspect of your life, then, wow, you, you, you probably need to wake up to Jesus. If, if you talk about Jesus a lot and you claim Jesus and sing about Jesus and listen to Jesus radio all the time, whatever that is, but you, I, mean, I mean, he's always a part of your life, but you aren't really experiencing him, then more than likely, all the things you're doing are form, but you're not truly knowing him. If he seems distant and unreal in your everyday life, then, then you're probably asleep. If you find yourself talking more about him than talking with him, then you're probably asleep. If your relationship with Jesus, your spiritual life is more of a weekend thing when you're at church than an everyday thing, then more than likely you're asleep. Because, see, Jesus should be the compelling motivation of your life, not just getting together with other believers. It's a positive thing to get together with other believers. It is motivating, but, but Jesus should be the motivating principle of your life. If, 
if you haven't experienced much authentic change recently, then you're asleep spiritually because this I know, when I'm experiencing Jesus in a real way, he changes me. I've been following him for four decades and I'm telling you there's more change yet in front of me than behind me and if I'm with Jesus, I can't help but be experiencing the change and yet I know people day after day, year after year who never change, they're asleep spiritually. If you find that you never think about the eternal condition of other people, I mean, you only think about how they're in your way or what they're doing or what they look like or what they can give you or do for you, but you never think about their eternal condition, then you're asleep spiritually because their eternity is more valuable than what you're experiencing in the moment. And, and if you are spiritually unnoticed, if you go to work and no one can figure out you're a Jesus follower, if you can go to family gatherings and no one can figure out you're a Jesus follower, if you go into your community and no one can figure out you're a Jesus follower, then you're not living a life that's different than others. You're, you're living the same life they're living. And you're asleep spiritually. And you're robbing yourself because you see, Jesus came to give you life and life to the full. And when you have him, you've got the wealth of his promise exploding in you to where you are not needy, but you are overflowing. You need to wake up to Jesus. And then I want to ask you are, you, are you waking others up to Jesus? Are you waking others up to Jesus? Are, are you making a difference in other people's lives? When was the last time a person had to think about Jesus because of your relationship with them? See, that's how light changes darkness. And so, this morning, and this is true here in Plymouth, and for those of you at Northridge Grosseal and Northridge Brighton, it's also happening at Northridge Selene, we're going to move into an invitation. We're inviting you into the day that Jesus creates. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come out and we've asked them to sing a song, Oh Come to the Altar, Oh Come to the Altar. And the reason is because I believe that it's easy to say we're awake but be asleep when we don't move. You see, when you wake up, I, have you ever, I don't know how many of you use the snooze button. As the alarm clock goes off and you go, yeah, 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 and you're still asleep. This weekend, we're calling you to wake up to Jesus and then to wake up others to Jesus, and we think it's time to stop hitting the snooze button and it's time to get up and move. And so as we sing, oh, come to the altar, I'm inviting you not to stay where you are, snuggled in the comfort of your chair, but I'm asking you, and this is true at our regional campuses as well, I'm asking you when we stand and worship to move. Now, don't move if God's not working in your heart. Don't move if God's not speaking in your life. Don't move because other people are moving because this isn't about other people. Move if God's speaking to you about your need to wake up. If you're here and you're saying, I don't know the power of Jesus in my life. I don't know his forgiveness. I'm defined by my failure and guilt and not by his life. Then I'm asking you to move. Oh, come to the altar. And then... In the middle of this song, I'm going to come back and I'm going to pray with you so that you can wake up to Jesus for the first time. And if you're here and you're a believer and like me, in so many seasons of my life, you're sleeping. You, this, this talk, I've talked to a bunch of people this weekend already and they said, this talk just hit me because I've been doing a lot of the right things, but I've been doing it as a formula and I'm not experiencing Jesus and I woke up. If that's you, I'm, I'm begging you to move come to the altar. Let Jesus redefine you and I'll come up in the middle of the song and pray with you. And then some of you are saying, I'm awake but I'm not making a difference in the lives of others. I need to make him the headliner in my story. Well, I'm going to encourage you, don't just say you're going to do it. Come to the altar and make the commitment. If you can't move in a church, you're never going to make the move in the marketplace. And so I just encourage you, come to the altar and then just pray here and be here. For those of you at our regional campus, just leave your seat and come to the front of the auditorium that platforms your altar here at Plymouth. You're going to come 
to the front of the church here and make this your altar and wherever you can find. For those of you in the balcony, you don't have to come all the way down here. You can make the altar right there in the front of your balcony in each section in front of the doors. And for those of you at the activity center in the overflow area, you can just go to the front of there. But whatever you do, move because it's time to wake up and then I'll come and pray with you. Oh, come to the altar. Let's stand together. Story. Sing as loud as you can. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Jesus left earth and came, left heaven and came to earth for one reason, so that we wouldn't have to live in a world of darkness, wouldn't have to live asleep, wouldn't have to live ordinary lives where we just exist so that we could be fully awake. But we human beings have this propensity to stay asleep, to keep our eyes closed. And I'm so moved by you that you're ready to wake up and move forward. And so, for those of you who are in front of the regional campus ministry and those of you here, I'm just going to pray for you each. First, for those of you who are ready to wake up to him for the first time. I remember when I opened my life to Jesus for the first time forever, he transformed me and everything of value in my life is defined by that moment. Wake up, pray with me. In your heart, quietly to God, just say, Jesus, I, I open my life to you. I've shut you out, I've lived my way, I've sinned against you. But in this moment, I'm waking up, confessing my sin, putting my faith in your death, burial, and resurrection. Save me, in Jesus' name. For those of you who've known him, and yet you've been sleepwalking like I do so often, just in your heart, quietly before God, pray, Jesus, my whole life and my whole story has been filled with hope because of your salvation. You've taken my sin and you've made me new, but I haven't been living an extraordinary life, just ordinary. And I'm waking up right now asking you to 
thrive in me and move in me and to make me into all that you want me to be. Help me to live a different life, your life in this world. And for those of you who are saying, I just want to help make a difference in the lives of others and be a witness in your heart quietly to him, just say, God, your story has defined my life. Help give me the power and the courage and the confidence to share your story with my thems at work and in family and in community. Help me to be a witness. Help me to wake up the world. And I'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just before we continue this worship thing, and I just invite those of you who are up front and up front in the balconies and up front at our regional campuses to just stay here and process the song and enjoy it. And when the song's over, then you can move forward. But we have a prayer team at all of our settings in the front of the church. And when we dismiss, maybe this moment was enough for you and my prayer was enough for you. And that's just, wow, that movement was great. And that's awesome. But, but I know what happens to me spiritually often. I'm being dealt with and I have questions and I want someone to pray with and talk to. And if that's you, that's why we have a prayer team. And so you can just kind of stay right here in the front and in front of the balcony. We have them up there as well. And, and when everyone else is leaving, our prayer team would love to get with you and connect with you. Does that make sense? And if you opened your life to Jesus for the first time, let us know. In the program, it says in this connection card at the very bottom, you prayed with me. Let us know so we can send you information about next steps. But right now, let's just worship this one we've woken up to. And let's commit to waking up the world. Come to the altar. As a sign of surrender, won't you lift your hands with us?
connect with, to commune with. And I rest you out. Feel free to stay down here and worship. We're going to pass you up. Um, in our regionals, your campus pastors will be there to help facilitate you. And I'm um, in, enjoying this moment and just basking in what God is doing. Thank you for worshiping with us and have a great week.